0: For August 10th, 2020, it's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 632. Ooh, a treat! thinking it where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve the overthinkers are your smart funny friends from the internet we're never happier than when we are uh, discussing the things we love talking about the movies the TV the music the uh, cultural phenomenon uh, phenomena all sorts um, that we enjoy uh, the things that we love are better when we love them together wait that didn't come out quite right but uh, it's okay I'm not rather I'm joined by uh, by the friends that I love things with Peter Fenzel, hello Pete. Hey Matt. And Mark Lee, hello Mark.
1: <laughs> Matt, I love loving things with you.
0: I love loving things with you too, Mark. Thanks very much. You know what I love, guys? I love the United States Post Office. Uh oh. <laughs> right. yeah they're getting all political you know the post office has been in the news recently for a number uh for a number of reasons um not all of them not all of them great and i think we can stay away from current events or not i mean hell what the what what the heck these are unprecedented registered trademark times and we need to uh you know have unprecedented for this uh podcast discussions uh from time to time and if it it includes you know electoral or party politics in the united states so be it but uh suffice it to say that the the post office uh has been in the news recently especially since it will play a part in uh the upcoming um presidential elections given how we are in uh, not exactly quarantine semi semi isolation is probably a, a better way to put it and that uh going to the polls seems um if if there is an alternative <laughs> it seems uh wise to not go to the polls if, if you can so you know uh, post offices in the news maybe we'll get into some of that but i i want to start with a you know as as all the great debating societies start with a proposition you know uh i want to start with a proposition here i want to i want to you know get off on a rant here and it is this resolved a first class letter is a freaking miracle for 55 cents or there about, I, mean, I actually don't even know what they cost anymore, but for about half a buck, you can, you know, write whatever you want in an envelope and that envelope, that actual physical entity that collection of atoms you know and i know everything is exchanged at some level so uh there is kind of a ship of theseus <laughs> issue there is a uh, postmark of theseus issue but like that collection of atoms can be in someone else's hand 3000 miles away In a couple of days for 55 freaking cents. If they live in the remotest part of Alaska, there is a, a, you know, a plane that is going to fly on skis to their inaccessible location. And that, uh, that little piece of paper is going to get to them. If they are in, you know, uh, if they're serving overseas, uh, in the military, that letter is going to reach them somehow some way you know if that like and that the idea in this world that anything like that can happen is it is incredibly democratic it is accessible to everyone for half a buck you know and it is a uh it is a wonderful kind of almost romantic thing to be able to you know send that for to to be able to transmit that from one place uh to another that actual physical thing um so uh there we go resolved a first-class letter is a miracle, representing the pro or the con. I'm not sure which. <laughs> Peter Fensel and Mark Lee. Does anyone want to fight me on this? Uh, on this resolution that I have. Uh, I will.
1: I will. I will take you one further, and it is uh, not just a miracle. It is a heroic act. A heroic act to get a piece of mail delivered. Um, I'm usually really using this just as an opportunity to, to very quickly name check the movie The Postman, which we haven't seen recently. But we will include a link in the show notes to this like kind of insanely over-the-top slow-motion sequence where uh, the postal carriers in this post-apocalyptic world are right around on horseback. And they're very important for reasons that I really don't remember. Uh, but in one really important scene, a little kid sticks out a piece of uh, a mail into the air and is first disappointed when, uh, the, the, when Kevin Costner's postman character gallops by and doesn't get the mail. And then he turns around and decides, no, wait, I am going to get this one here. Uh, you've got your 55 cents, kid. I'm going to get the, your, uh, your, your uh, Cracker Jack redemption uh, certificate into the post-apocalyptic Cracker Jack office. And he comes out in extremely slow motion with swelling orchestra music, grabs the piece of mail, and then presumably delivers it onto his destination. That is an heroic act.
2: Yeah, I mean, I get. I love the postman. I'm like shocked that somebody other than me was the one to bring the movie The Postman up on the podcast. I feel like I've brought it up regularly over the years, but uh, uh, it's certainly, certainly special and really charges you up with the feeling of uh, the thrill of getting the mail and giving the mail. Really, it's about the mail you give less than the mail you get. Uh, but I will say this as as a sort of counterpoint, right? Because oh, not as a, not as a counterpoint, but as a somewhat of a reframing. Uh, I think that it's important to remember that. Uh, choice and ease, right, in terms of the method with which you do something, it misleads people frequently, right? The thing that might seem that is the easiest because it appears to be the easiest might not actually be the easiest. The thing that the circumstances that make you feel like you have a choice might actually be taking away your opportunity to make a judgment about a situation. Uh, and, And I have an example of a situation that happened tonight, which I thought was somewhat amusing, that I would share that's related to the post office, which is that uh, we, my wife and I, we're, we're, were redoing the plants in front of our house. Uh, we have discovered a giant wasp's nest underground in front of our house, which is very scary, and my wife was stung, and that was not fun. But we are we are kind of moving the um, the area in front of our house is only about maybe like 12 or 18 inches, and uh, there were plants there, and it's like, yeah, it's too close to the house. We need to kind of push everything out a little bit. So we're, we're going to push out this sort of bush area in front of our house uh, and that is going to eat into some bit of the grass that's in front of our house. And in doing this, my wife, because she's a force of nature, ripped up these, you know, eight foot long, four by four pressure treated wood with 12 inch rebar spikes through them that were the old barrier for the garden area in front of the house. And so now they're sitting in a big heap in front of our house. And I was like, oh, you can put this in your car. I, was like, I can't fit in an eight foot giant piece of of pressure treated wood in my compact suv like i would need a truck or something bigger the very least an outback rather than a forester right um and and so i said well somebody around here would certainly be able to like cut this into smaller pieces and then we would be able to put it in the car my wife said well i'll go on the facebook group for the town and i'll ask the people on the Facebook group, if anybody, you know, has has something they could bring over and that we could use to help or any kind of service they could offer or something like that to get these things chopped up. And meanwhile, there's a man walking the uh, walking his dog with his daughter up my street and I call it to him. go, like, Hey, and he goes, yeah. And I said, you don't happen to have a chainsaw, do you? And he said, yeah, I'll send my son over with it. I was like, what now? Um, We don't need it right now, but thanks, I guess. And then sure enough, uh, not an hour later, there's a ring at my doorbell and a chainsaw on my porch. And then the family standing up at the top of the driveway, right, is is sort of looking down. They brought the son. They brought the daughter. They have the dog. Um, Immigrant family from Eastern Europe. And uh, and I'm like, well, thank you. You know, I'm sort of amazed. Right. And, and like, oh, you know, we live here. We're new to the neighborhood. It's great to see you guys. This is so nice. Uh, we, we'll cut this up and we'll get it back to you. And, and where, where are you? OK, this is great. Um, if I had assumed right, like if I had assumed that social media was the default way to do this because I spent so much time on social media and because social media would seem to be the easiest, I never would have had this interaction with the family. But I also would have gotten my chainsaw much slower. Right? There, there is no way in which I get a chainsaw delivery within 45 minutes by using the most current and most heavily used technology. Now, I'm not saying that the purpose of the mail is to get you a chainsaw in 45 minutes because it's not. Uh, but, it's also not not the purpose <laughs> of the mail. But I do – But I mean I, I will say I did have some interactions with – my neighbors during the sort of height of our spike around here, when when the, all the hospitals were chock full of people and, and it was the deaths were really, really huge. Uh, and I, we hadn't talked to any of our neighbors. And people started leaving cards in our mailbox. And we would put cards in their mailbox to introduce ourselves to each other. Uh, right now, those didn't go through the mail, per se. We would deliver them by hand. But, but the point was that Well, I would say on one hand, there's that sort of old fashioned feeling of this feels more meaningful because it's physical and it's with somebody in person. But just from the standpoint of ease, it was easier. And the fact that somebody has a physical location was useful, right, as opposed to necessarily them having a virtual location. For one, it confirmed that I knew who these people were. Right. If it was just some random random thing from anybody. Right. They said, oh, thank, congratulations, you moved to the neighborhood. I was like, OK, you're trying to sell me, you know, a, a mosquito solution. And by the way, I need a mosquito solution. But but this this whole, the whole idea of like you get plenty of letters that pretend to be your friend. Right. Um, and I, I do think that there's some particular perhaps argument that junk mail and junk calls are an unfair tax on that that are allowed to be paid right they there's allowed to be levied on old media in the interest of new media right when media with regards to medium of exchange right like we are on some level we are okay with getting dozens and dozens of fake phone calls every day because really people don't want us to use our phones anymore right? It really, we should be moving on, right? It's like somebody comes in your house and scratches all your records, and you're like, you know, CDs sound better, right? Um, and I mean, maybe that's a little bit conspiracy theory-ish, but I do kind of feel like if there was more energy around the idea that, say, having a telephone was a good, useful thing, then there would perhaps be a greater effort to not cause them to be swamped by waste and garbage and fraud and abuse and nastiness. Um, same thing with the mail, right? Um, you know, there's so much mail I get that's that's garbage. And what if the mail felt like everything I got was precious? Um I might I, I, I probably I do like the mail. I like the mail more than most people. Um, but the precious useful moments where you're actually able to communicate with a person who you can verify by virtue of knowing like where they are and who they are in the context of physically existing in the world. I mean, these are valuable moments. And I would say that in that sense, having a post office rather than having the sort of, you know, the 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 Internet exclusively or, you know, you could also say much, much more expensive delivery services that basically relegate home delivery as a as a as a form of commerce rather than a form of communication. Um yeah, it's 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 uh it it's it's tough, right? It's it's painful. It's um the idea that this stuff is under threat is unfortunate. And um and I do think that in both cases the map doesn't equal the territory in the sense that the world that you can imagine of all the addresses that you have is uh is not the same as the reality of where everybody lives, which you find out very quickly if you do any sort of voter registration drive, right? And you find out that not everybody who exists has an address and not every address corresponds to a real person. Uh, I mean, I'm reminded of a voter get out the vote drive. I participated in 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 Allentown, Pennsylvania in 2008. And, you know, I went to a place which I was pretty sure was some sort of, uh, you know, flop house day hotel frequented by prostitutes. and, And, um, and uh, or if not a formal brothel and the number of men who had left their address as that place in whatever database had collected all of these people. Right. Um, and, and kind of going into these rooms with these women in them and then sort of really not being keen to talk to me, but also not keen to tell me where any of these men were, who they were, which is fine. It's not my business. But I just wanted to let us sure they knew where their polling places was in that sense. OK, the map that we have of everybody's address doesn't really match up all that great with everybody who lives. But the map of where everybody is online is like has no resemblance to reality from the perspective of us, right? in experiencing it. Uh, because so many of the people that we would encounter are are not real or um, proxies or surrogates or uh, you know fake accounts and robots. And, and and even the ones that we do encounter, we don't know why we encounter them. We don't have an awareness to discern proximity based on the frequency or urgency or immediacy or relevance of the communication, right? Like, we can't, we don't know, we don't really, we build an idea of the world around us that resembles our world even less than the postal map. And in that sense, there's a loss, uh, you know, I mean, I I don't want to ask some random person in, you know, Saskatchewan if I could borrow their chainsaw. Right, uh, and I know in the internet it's not quite so bad, but if I'm going to ask someone if I can borrow their chainsaw, I want it to be somebody uh, who presumably can show me how to use it uh, safely, and also presumably somebody who is right next door, right? Yeah, this, so, well, this I would not, yeah.
0: Pete, this is what this is uh, what I wanted to ask like uh, a, a few minutes ago. Do, are you capable of using a chainsaw? We're going to find out
2: <laughs> if I'm not on the podcast next week.
0: You know, there's a there's a. Um, kind of a genre of literature that that computer programmers write to each other, uh, the, uh, under the title, um, falsehoods programmers believe about X and the canonical one, the first one that I'm aware of anyway, is falsehood. And, and I was uh, put in mind to this by, uh, by Pete, you saying like the kind of a lot of the assumptions that you make, um, That, uh, you know, people have an address. People have one address. People have a fixed address. People have, uh, exactly one address at any given time. You know, of their many addresses, people have one canonical address, right? Like that, that a lot of these assumptions could be wrong. And, uh, and if you ever write software, you encode your assumptions into the system. Um, there's no way not to do that. And, you know, part of the, push pull of requirements gathering and, and implementing is, you know, if you tried to build an everything machine, it would take forever and cost all the money, um, literally all the money if it was an everything machine. And, uh, you can't, you can't do that. So finding the set of assumptions that is least bad, you know, um, is one of the great, uh, is one of the great compromises, uh, and, you know, historically has favored, um, uh, uh white guys <laughs> it's, it's heterosexuals well
2: um, no, let's not be so reductive honestly because it's not just that it's it favors people who stay in the same place for a very long time right and in particular have single family dwellings right and those things correlate to race i'm talking about the, the right? assumptions
0: the, with, uh, the assumptions with which a lot of commercial software is built yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Right, rather, um, rather than sorry, I had I had pivoted. Maybe maybe I I hadn't. Oh, you uh,
2: weren't talking about just the assumptions about who has addresses. No, no, no. I, oh, I wasn't. Okay. I
0: was that I, got you, I got uh, you. My my point was that a lot of you know social media stuff is uh, made. For example, for example, the real the real name requirement on Facebook. Um, you know, uh, is great if you are part of the dominant culture and have nothing to fear from revealing your real name. Actually, that one goes to that one goes to revealing uh, addresses as well. Anyway, some of the falsehoods programmers believe about names uh, are that people have exactly one canonical full name. People have exactly one full name which they go by. People have at any point in time exactly one canonical full name. People have exactly n names for any value of n. People's names fit within a certain defined amount of space people's names don't change people's names can be encoded in the ascii character set and on and on and on uh right. there are there are things like uh you know things things about this but but um i i, I wonder uh what you know uh, other than calling from calling to your neighbor for for a chainsaw which is is wonderful but not male you know and actually really does kind of highlight the um Highlight the, the weakness or, or rather, no, not weakness. Highlight the importance of the, uh, IRL, you know, physical community that, that you find yourself in, which is something that, that seems to be more, you know, as our kind of scope has narrowed, uh, as, you know, in, as we're traveling less, you know, under, um, conditions of pandemic as, as we're sort of traveling less, as we're, I, I find I am walking to more things and driving less. I find that the businesses in the, my immediate vicinity, uh, I am, um, patronizing those businesses a lot more than, you know, other places that are farther away that I might have gone, you know, under different circumstances, whether it's the, you know, uh, I, I just moved actually with my girlfriend and, and we remarked this morning, like, we need to find a new breakfast burrito place because the, the walking distance, breakfast burrito place is, uh, no longer walking distance. And so that, that like, I'm, you know, a hundred percent with you in the, the importance of the kind of the, the immediate physical, uh, the circumstance that you find yourself in, but returning to the idea of, of mail. Can, can you guys remember the last piece of mail that you sent? Um, I mean, I I, maybe there's something wrote like a bill or something like that, but uh, I'm I'm thinking of something maybe a little bit beyond that. Um, Was there, was there a piece of mail recently that, that you sent that, that sticks out for you? Mark is, is there one that comes to mind?
1: Um, I mean, precisely to the, uh, the occasion for this discussion, it was an absentee ballot for New York State primary election. Uh, I believe at the end at the end of June, um, and it was a. It was also to the point of the conversation. It was a complicated process, right? I think I had to send uh, a, a piece of mail to request an absentee ballot. I got um, no, no, I received uh, an absentee ballot application in the mail. I had to send it back. Um, it was received successfully, presumably because then I got the actual absentee ballots in the mail. Um, I had to, you know, deal with all the enclosed envelope uh, complications in there, um, and then send it back in. Um, and uh, I have no idea if that vote was counted. I'm going to be totally honest with you. I don't know if you read in the news, but um, there was a lot of problems with late absentee ballots coming in and just like general logistical challenges of counting all these precious physical objects that we have um, I can't say that it was a, a confidence building experience um, we also got received the absentee ballots a little bit late in the process um, you know, uh, maybe like you know within only like a couple of one or two days to spare to get them in in time uh, and then you know we, we dropped them off into the ether um, so you know it did it feel you know all these things we talk about the physical mail did it feel important? Did it feel noteworthy to get these things and receive them? Yeah, absolutely. Did it feel good, though? Uh, no, I actually will say no in terms of at least that, that final step of sending it off into the void. So, uh, uh, you know, that, that's like uh, there's a lot of mixed experiences going on here, right? You know, like, uh, Matt, I, and I appreciate you extolling the virtues of the Postal Service. It is a miracle. And if you're Kevin Costner riding on a horse, it is a heroic act. But kind of the whole... I think uh point of this discussion is actually shouldn't be heroic. It should be mundane and it should be confidence inspiring, but uh, it is mundane, but it's not confidence inspiring. So yeah, that's my latest piece of uh,
0: postal experience. That's interesting. Pete, what, what did you send? Uh, did you wrap so, the Did you wrap the chainsaw up and, and mail it to someone?
2: I actually shipped the chainsaw to you, the borrowed chainsaw. I packed it up and sent it priority mail to you so that you can uh, use it to to cut through the BS that you encounter in West coast culture uh, no, I
0: don't know. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> can, I, can I can I cut through? Like there's so much tape and bubble wrap in my life right now. Can <laughs> yeah, can I 24. use the chainsaw to cut through that? Oh, man. Please. I
2: really hope I don't kill myself with this chainsaw. That would be so embarrassing. <laughs> um, I'm also very loath to use. We'll figure it out. I'm sure. You know, we'll figure it out. If if anybody does know that you're not supposed to use a chainsaw on. A pressure-treated wood, uh, please leave it in the comments as soon as possible. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so yeah, so recently, so, of course, we had a baby recently, right? That's the kind of big defining thing happening in our home in addition to the plague and whatnot. Um, and, uh, and perhaps maybe even a narrow first place over the second place that is the coronavirus uh, is our new baby. And so we have been taking many, many pictures of the new baby, and it is pretty convenient and nice to be able to take digital photographs because uh, the number the sheer number of photographs that I've taken of my baby is uh, much much, much more than I would ever have in terms of film online at any one time right I would have to be you know I, I take one of the things I like to do is to take a lot of pictures of the baby over the course of a maybe a minute or two and because the baby uh, is very expressive right uh, changes his face a lot changes his facial expression a lot and i go through it and i pick you know nine or ten different facial expressions and make them into a collage and post them to instagram right this idea that he just seems to be going through so many things and so many thoughts and so many ticks and twitches and movements so but that's only one. i mean it's not a, the only way, reason i take pictures of, of the baby and the only occasion for it but my wife and i have taken lots and lots of pictures of our baby and of us Uh, During this whole situation. And so my wife uh, ordered physical prints like we've, we've built a sort of joint account where we drop the photos we want to get physical prints of because honestly, yeah, sure, maybe it feels like you can get, you know, your contact with people regarding photos over like Facebook and Instagram. And I definitely feel like that's how I've almost exclusively been doing it for the past you know, a bunch of years, uh, but it is to my detriment, you know, un, un, uh, unambiguously that I have not do not have as many physical pictures of loved ones in my home, especially over the course of the last 10 years of my life. Uh, I have, you know, maybe four pictures. I have a picture of, you know, uh, Matt, Matt Belinke's child when he was very, very young that is on top of my fireplace. And it's like that's the last picture that I have in, to hold in my hand of any of you. Uh, which because I haven't been ordering physical prints of pictures, it's just not the thing I've been doing. But, you know, for the baby, we were not going to let this stand. And my wife wanted to decorate our living room with pictures of us as a new family. So the, the, the long and the short of it is that at one point my sister visited and she was on her way uh, from Colorado to Maine and she was doing a sort of social distanced uh, remote trip up to the Acadia area that involved multiple COVID tests and a lot of safety precautions with her boyfriend. And she did stop by on the way um, and, uh, and, and got to meet the baby, uh, which she was the first member of my family to get to meet the baby because we haven't ha- gotten to have any family visit. And she managed to come after he gotten his first round of vaccines, which was necessary because the vaccines are, of course, unambiguously essential and necessary uh, safety devices in the modern age and, if, and get them when they are available to you and work. Uh, And so she came by. She got to see the kid, and we got some pictures of the two of them together. She's all masked up, and she's taking all these precautions. But, like, they got to be relatively close, right? And so we ordered all these prints, and we got some prints of uh, my sister with the baby. And so, yeah, I guess we could have ordered them as a separate batch and had them shipped to her, from the printer rather than having them shipped to us and then send them over. But shipping them to us, putting them in a, in a card and mailing them to my sister felt like a very deeply meaningful thing. And I know that she has these pictures in her home now on display because now she has more pictures of her family from the past 10 years than I have of mine. Uh, right. So uh, at least my extended one and, and my dear friends. So I would encourage you if there's anything that you're going to use the mail for uh, send physical pictures of your loved ones to them. Like of times you spent together. I bet you right now in everyone's sense of isolation, any person you know that gets a card from you in the mail with a physical picture of the two of you together will be deeply moved by the experience. Um, And I would highly recommend it. So uh, and and uh, I mean I'm sort of tearing up a little bit thinking about it. Right? Just they'd to be really to inclined in to like. Hands.
0: They'd be really inclined to like do you a favor then or something. You know, the, like
2: the... if you needed some sort of cutting device, <laughs> maybe, maybe get through a small tree trunk. You know, I'm just saying chainsaws don't lend themselves. All right, so get get, get, get yourself get yourself a double chain chainsaw cheeseburger. Uh, just you know, just,
0: yeah. ca- just careful. Chain. Don't use a chainsaw on pressure treated people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <The hell? laughs> Um, all right. Mine, mine is sort of similar to that in that it is a, it is a thing, um, you know, kind of a special occasion sort of thing. Uh, I sent, uh, a couple of, uh, some people got me, um, gifts for my recent 40th birthday and I sent some thank you notes, uh, to them which is you know um i think always like uh an email like i don't know i feel like i get so much credit because i don't use the facebook um birthday feature and i uh i actually send an email or a text and i more than once in my uh uh, doing this it's like oh my god you're the only person who's not just sent a uh you know facebook message with like hbd in it and that's uh you know so it it is easy i mean it is it is funny the way in which it's you know um so There are, there are so many kind of small things you can do that get you so much gets you so much credit that involve physical mail, but uh uh you know, like sending a card with a with a picture in it. But uh you know, send a send a different form of electronic communication on people's birthdays and they will be they will be astonished that you took even that that minimal effort. But um, you know, uh the most the actual most recent piece of, of mail was occasioned by my moving. I realized that I had been holding on to something that I owed someone else and, and had to to send to them. Um, And what it was, was an overthinking it charter member uh, glass from five years ago. Uh, And I sent it to uh, you know so we sent we had these glasses specially made they were etched they were they were beautiful for the for the first people who joined uh overthinking it as members at overthinking com slash join and and uh who uh you know in exchange for a small uh monetary contribution every month get both the satisfaction of knowing that they are uh supporting this uh this great enterprise that we are engaged in and also uh a few extra little perks as as, as well. And one of the perks, if you joined, um, was uh, was a uh, drinking class that we you know that we sent to all the charter members to everyone to everyone who joined and um, if you joined at the smallest level it actually cost us more money to send you the class but uh, we looked at it as investing in the relationship for the long term so I sent a lot of people lost a lot of money on drinking classes that mo- <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, that particular that particular month but uh, I also had enough made so that every writer, every contributor to Overthinking It could, all, could also have a glass. And so I sent all the glasses to all the charter members of Overthinking It. And I sent them to all the writers except the one Canadian. Uh-huh and i realized that i had meant because it involved a customs form um it wasn't just uh wasn't just mailing it was a, a whole customs declaration you know drinking glass value of item priceless <laughs> and uh you know sent uh sent that so i actually went to the post office in you know full full covid mask wearing regalia um to uh, send Mr. Richard Rosenbaum his uh, his overthinking at Charter member drinking glass, um, which had a tracking number, and it has been uh, it has been several weeks now. And uh, the update that I have is that uh, the glass is in transit. It has been in that state for without, without, a, without further updates for, you know, 10, 11 days or something like that. So there is a glass, uh, there is a, there is an article in transit to, to Richard, but yeah, that was the, you know, that was the last thing. And I use the, uh, I used the self-service kiosk as well, which I find to be a very useful, um, very useful uh piece of equipment piece of technology in the post office even not you know even if it weren't the um uh, even if the user interface leaves something to be desired. So, so we have these, these kind of extraordinary things that, we, that, that we send out, but then there are also kind of like expected things, um, to send out. And I wonder if we could do a little, ring the changes a little bit on expected mail. Um, like, Pete, for example, when your son was born, I expected that there would be a physical piece of mail that, uh, contained a picture of, um, <laughs> You know that really probably is something that we should have done, <laughs> oh, did you not? i thought that I, I thought that did you did, oh did. okay, maybe Didn't it wasn't I thought I had a picture of you, well, you certainly have sent Christmas cards, which I have a picture of uh uh you know uh your family as then it stood, um pinned to my refrigerator, and i you know and uh i did that so i you know i have these things from you guys um there they were on my refrigerator in the old place they're on the refrigerator in the new place they were moved they were put up. they were remagnetized and put onto (laughs) the thing like i you know i look forward to and enjoy these um you know uh these sorts of things and and get them like Let's talk about the the obligatory mail uh a little bit, like the kind of or the mm, it's a bad word for it ritual uh you know uh type of mail um i I am terrible at it and don't do it from Christmas cards up to like you know i don't know if i like uh <laughs> <laughs> like if i got married anyone who i'm not like on instant message with every day would be the last to know um so what uh you know i you guys sent out wedding invitations and sent out uh, uh christmas cards and things like this like what is your experience doing uh doing this level of uh this level of mailing pete did you did you what's the last uh you know, announcement card or whatever the, that you remember remember sending out? And what was your experience doing it?
2: Oh, gosh. Well, I mean, so getting on board with the whole concept of Christmas cards, I, again, I was a bit late to it, probably also because uh, it's the kind of thing that feels much more uh, pressing when you have a kid than when you don't, uh, or when you get married and you have photographs, right? I mean, there's such an expense associated with professional photography and also, even with kind of self-serve digital printing, uh, they get so expensive. So, um, I definitely, so this past year, rather than send a Christmas card, we sent a new year's card because we were very busy over the Christmas holiday and didn't get our cards done up until Christmas in time. So, uh, we instead did them for, for new year's. Um, but you know, I, I do them through the internet and I order the card and then they send it for you and all that other stuff. Um, but I mean, it's tricky because it's, it's, uh, I've got, I, I guess part of it is that I now have a database of addresses, right? Putting together the database of addresses of the people that I want to send the card to. Perhaps the reason that I didn't send the card more um, earlier was that, you know, I didn't have the, uh, the addresses for everybody and I put the address book together for my wedding, right? So it was sort of like the wedding became an occasion for the uh the christmas card because it became an occasion to get everybody's address and so then once you've built the address book you can actually send the address the 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 uh mail to people i mean it's funny this is like this is a different kind of overthinking it because i'm like struggling with something very simple right it's it's sort of uh I, i i put more trouble into it than it deserved as well as uh subjecting it to a level of scrutiny that it probably doesn't deserve, right? Which is just this idea of like, well, where do all these people live? Where have they been, right? And my own wedding mailing list was based off of the mailing lists gathered by my family for their weddings, for my sister's weddings. And so it was kind of an evolution over time. Um, so yeah, yeah, I would guess that that there was sort of a great desert of mailing that I had to dig my way out. Of. I had a, it's a mixed metaphor, dig your way out of the desert. Um, I had to kind of trek my way out of uh, when I felt like I guess I had something to say that my, my people I wanted to mail would, would kind of be, would be worth hearing. What am I going to do, mail them about my improv shows? Like, it's like, I mean, I guess you do that too. I right? send out. Flyers
0: I wonder what the response rate rate would be versus you know the electronic means that you used. It would be yeah. it would be a very interesting A B test to to right. conduct with physical. If you mail. actually
2: sent out physical. I do yeah. think that physical promotions. I mean, that's a whole other dimension. Was I do feel like physical promotions for improv shows, while in the short term, seem to be more expensive because you have to buy a whole bunch of postcards all at once. They were effective. Right, like, like in ways that I think maybe posting things to social media was not, um, and and it was interesting to see that whole scene just totally evaporate in my city, right, of people leaving flyers places for things they want you to go to. Um, it really interesting to see that all vanish, and I don't think that it was necessarily because people actually were optimizing for attendance. I think they were just optimizing for cost. They're like, well, I could do it on Facebook for free, so why do I have to spend a hundred dollars to print out a bunch of postcards? Um, because people you know feel they get a postcard you know they, they pick that up they feel it's meaningful they feel like they're part of something whereas on facebook it's just garbo um i mean not just obviously there's some meaningful stuff on social media it's not all trash but uh but it, it definitely seemed not to uh have the similar sorts of effects that i that i would observe from physical ad campaigns um well, it, yeah. we're
1: talking about optimizing for attendance and uh uh, and going back to your, the subject of your wedding, Pete, um, did you request people to send their RSVPs back with physical mail? Yes. Oh, I'm so sorry you had to deal with that. <laughs> we didn't do that. No. We oh, yeah. Sent, we sent out physical invitations, but we had people RSVP electronically online.
2: Yeah. Talk to no, I, So tell us about
1: tell us about that experience because, then like, you know, like going back to what I was talking about before about kind of like you know the uh, the extra steps and the anxiety. Um, uh, for, for sending the mail and then, you know, the wait and then receiving it and dealing with all of that. Like, how did that go for you, Pete?
2: Well, I mean, I don't think, I don't remember it being too much of a problem. I mean, the, the funny thing was was chasing people down after the fact, right? So so when you're talking about, we're talking still about the different sorts of maps that that overlay the physical existence of the people that you are relating to in your life, right? There's like, you know, they're out there, Family, friends, you know, they're out there. You've talked to them. You've met them. Um, you you, you want to have physical addresses for them so that you can send them something physically through the miracle that is the post office and uh, whether it's directly or indirectly through a vendor. And but then there's also the idea of like, well, if it's not the right place or it doesn't find them or you don't hear back from them, which is somewhat uh, That is also somewhat um, equivalent to having the wrong address for them in certain ways, right? Like if they don't get back to you, then you don't know whether you got to them. And so then you would have people that you would try to hunt down, and that's when you would go digital and try to hunt people down on social media. Figure out if what platforms are they on. What can I can I message them on Instagram? Can I send them something? You know, maybe maybe I'm going to send them something on on the T, Team Fortress yeah. Two Discord server. No, <laughs> <laughs> not quite, not quite. But um, yeah, I'm going to Steam I, gift them.
1: Yeah, I imagine that, that creates a lot of uh, extra work chasing people down when you're uh, requiring a physical response uh, given you know, the extra steps people have to go through on that end. But I wonder maybe that was balanced out by, like, little dopamine hits you got when you got the, uh, the, the physical responses in the mail. Like, what, what's that well, experience like?
2: I mean, I mean, it was nice. I, I, guess, I guess what I would say is that it was useful for the ability to verify to have the physical envelopes. Um, because an email goes missing a lot more. I mean, ironically, I mean, do you? The question, I guess, is, do you believe it or not that an email could go missing more easily than a physical letter? Because I think. In certain situations, you would definitely believe that the electronic correspondence is more persistent and easier to archive and easier to find through search than a particular piece of physical mail is. But if you are only focused on one kind of physical mail and you have them in one pile in your house, uh, then, then you know that if it came in, it is in that pile, there's a certain confidence that you have in the quality of your information. Uh, and so in that sense, it felt useful because as, as things would come in, we would know for certain Whereas I feel like if somebody kind of says something over the emails, you know, maybe it would come to me, maybe it would come to Sarah, you know, uh, maybe it would get deleted or lost or we wouldn't, you know, copy and paste it into the right Google Doc or whatever um, to make sure that it was there. We didn't have a way to verify it. But, yeah, I mean, I guess there is that level of there is that bit of dopamine. I mean, I guess what it would say more is is also the amount of information that I got was useful. But I guess you get that from an email, too. Um yeah, I don't is there know an emotional the quality
1: to it about like this, like making, establishing a physical connection. With I feel, your I feel like the,
2: the person who it introduces more cost to more than anyone is the attendee to the wedding. Right. Like the recipient of the mail who's being asked to send back a piece of physical mail rather than somebody who has gotten an email and is being asked to respond to an email. You're kind of you've made the decision that it is worth it to you to send the mail, but you don't know if it's worth it to them, you know, in terms of the time that they have or, you know, how often do they use the mail? If they never use the mail, then there's a pretty high barrier to entry of kind of changing their mindset. Right. Not even the actual difficulty of sending a letter, which is paltry, but the idea of like, well, how do I do that? Where is the mailbox? Again, you know, as Matt had said, uh, and what I was really trying to point out, I wasn't trying to trivialize the racial correlates. I was more trying to point out that, like, jumping right to the racial correlates sometimes risks losing track of the intermediate. Uh, the sort of intermediate systems that are systemic right and it's not like they only give addresses to white people right it's like against the rules to give addresses to black people it's more like oh okay these are the people who live in the same place for a long time or these are the people who live in houses that have mailboxes as opposed to apartment buildings that would have multiple mailboxes right or like there might be multiple people from the same family living in the same apartment and those things all have correlates right um but yeah, if you're not in a life, mean, to a certain
0: extent, mail. like red, redlining is kind of making it illegal to give black people. Well, a but at the same time,
2: you know, the de facto there's the de jure and the de facto that are in systemic relation to one another, right? Like how once the system starts reinforcing itself, there becomes a strong incentive to continue to persist in the system. So yes, there are overt things that, that you do. It is funny. It's like and there are, of course, like the ID card stuff, which is, yeah, And I don't mean to say you're wrong. You're totally right. Part of the way in which you can prevent people from voting is by making it hard for them to verify their address. Right. And as such, it is in the to the advantage of people who don't want people to vote. Right. Or to count to to not have a large Publicly funded institutional buy-in for a system that knows where everyone lives.
0: It's true, (laughs) and And I able to get them things. It's I had I had pivoted to the uh, unrelated trivial point that tech bros are awful, but uh, you know (laughs) (laughs)
2: they're not awful. They just it's just when something they just it's it's they're they're just they're triaged, right? I mean they've just they've cut out everything that doesn't matter to them and what they're trying to accomplish, and and that and then that way they're very ruthlessly efficient. Um, and if there's anything wrong with not caring about anything that doesn't benefit you then then i don't know how that i would how would that even
0: work right yeah well, um, the- <laughs> they, ser- they certainly would decide that it's not it's not worth it to send. I mean, you know, I w the first thing I thought uh the first thing I thought, Pete, when you when you said you're really placing an imposition and a burden on the people who have to respond to your wedding invitations with, you know, by by return of post. Um, you know, I thought, oh my God, you put stamps on the return envelopes. I did, yeah. You? yeah <laughs> didn't you? Like that, you know, and pre addressed them and whatnot. Like you do a lot of things to sort of make it uh Uh, to, to make it easy, you know, and if someone does live in a place with postal service, you just have to like leave the letter there, uh, uh, you know, and it will be, it will be collected. But I mean, the idea that like social norms around this have deteriorated or have changed or just sort of eroded to the point where Someone might not actually know how to use or access uh, the post office is a good is a good point if kind of a sad one, you know that it, that it actually might be imposing a kind of cognitive load on someone to figure out how to you know how to send a letter. Um, I mean, for an example, right? I mean, and you talked about sort of systemic advantage
2: and disadvantage. You know what I have to do if I want to send a letter?
0: What do you have to do, Pete?
2: I, I I put the letter with a stamp on it in my mailbox at my house, and I raise the little flag, and the post office takes it and mails it for me. Yep. That's not – all the time that I lived in apartments, I never did that. Nope. Right? I never had this ability to just send mail from my apartment as far as I ever knew. Right. This is the first time I feel like I've if I ever knew that I could do it, I wasn't aware of it. Did you have um, did
0: you live in an apartment big enough to have a, a, you know, a big locking mailbox that had an outgoing mail slot? Or are you talking about like, uh, no, I've
2: never, I never saw anything like that. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, I've had mail slots. I've had mailboxes. Uh-huh. I mean, I've lived in apartments that have had mailboxes, but they were not the kind of mailbox with a little flag on it that you could say, come take the mail and they would take it. I mean, maybe if I had put it in there, they would have taken it. I, 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 where's the literacy, right? Where's the understanding of how this is supposed to work? But now it's like, oh, I could just put a letter, which is good because I'm, you know, two miles away from any post office box or any sort of one of those blue boxes. Uh, there's nothing like that near me. I'm in the woods sort of uh, a little bit on the edge of like the nature preserve. So like we're not near a, a big place that has post office boxes, Um so I'm glad I could just leave it in my, in my mailbox and somebody can send it for me. It kind of changes the dynamic quite a bit, uh, the relationship to it. It makes it feel like something that works for me instead of something I have to go out of my way in order to access. Um, and it's not fair to people who don't have the little flag because the flag is really cool. You put up the little flag and then they take it. Um And, and I was, then they mail it for you. You know,
0: I mean, I'm I'm not saying that I've misappropriated the you know the use of the mail meter at any job I've worked at in my life, but I I was found it was a lot easier to take a piece of mail to work and send it <laughs> from there yeah because there's
2: faxes (laughs) yeah right
0: right exactly there's a whole infrastructure and like and scans also like i don't i don't have a scanner i can't like scan so like there are um probably like in the like never deleted memory of a couple of uh of my employer's uh copy machines right like there there are probably some like crucial document like medical documents or something that i had to send in to insurance or something and i just know. had
2: a flash of like a distant future where the only archaeological relics that the people in the future have is the mem- the pre- eternally preserved memory of a single copy machine <laughs> and like what would they think <laughs> about society based on the copy machine right um it's like so so these people were obsessed with uh with numbers and tables and butts. And so everything <laughs> in their society was based either on these things called workbooks and, and, or spreadsheets. Also,
1: an, an, an important part of this company's business was um, a church flyer because 500 copies of those were made, and that yes. must have been yes. important company business.
2: Oh, yeah, definitely. And all of these Speaking companies of <laughs> would all play basketball against each other in, in March of every year, hmm. and they would all print out the uh, the brackets for their tournament against each other, right? Um <laughs> Which was openly acknowledged to be madness, but they didn't. (laughs) While while
1: we're on the topic of uh, needing to work with the system and uh, using your place of employment to send mail, what about receiving it? I mean, we've been talking mostly about uh, sending and receiving letters like envelopes. um, But uh, have you all had the unfortunate situation where you've had to depend on like receiving packages at your place of work because uh, you live in an apartment building that where you couldn't have a package sent there?
2: Yeah, I remember that. I remember what that was like. That was pretty lousy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that sure. is
1: exactly the word for it.
2: Yeah. Um, and now, of course, I don't have a mail stop anymore at work. So if that were still my situation, I would be doubly screwed. Right? Like, where are they going to bring things? I guess they could just bring it to your house now and then they take a picture of it on the stoop or whatever and they call it a day. But um,
0: I, mean, works, I guess the, I would be home. The answer is I would be home
2: if they were delivering something now. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, but yeah, I mean, what was the weirdest thing you ever got delivered to your place of work? <laughs> Depends on the place of
0: work, I suppose. <laughs> You
2: don't have to answer that question. That could be left as an exercise to the reader
0: if you like. Yeah, let's 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 throw out to the guy in the comments of in the comments of that one. I mean, you know, I've had like computers sent to to work because I trust the reception there more than I do at the, you know, even when I lived in a in a building once with like a package room where those things were supposed to be like locked away, no, I I don't trust that that's actually going to happen that they're uh, you know, going to steal my computer. So I had a Uh, had it sent to work. But I, you know, I go every day down in my apartment complex, down to the mailbox and, like, check the mail, even though nothing of consequence really ever comes. Um, Because, like, I, I always want... I always want there to be something. I always wish there were something and like wish it were good and that it would be like interesting and surprising and fun and exciting or, you know, diverting and whatever. And I, I do have, I have a magazine problem. I have a, you know, subscriptions problem in, you know, in that I, I just sign up for a lot of them, you know, and I, you know, I end up with a, a stack as big of my waist of the, the London review of books or something like that um all you know pristine in their little plastic wrappers completely completely unwrapped but like I, I when i subscribe i subscribe with the intention of uh of reading these things and you know uh having having my books reviewed by londoners right it it would be uh it would be so nice to, to um to to live that life, I don't know. Do you, do you get mail? like even my bills come in in electronic form these days? But uh, I don't. Know, are you excited to receive anything in the mail? Mark? Oh yeah, or Pete or oh, Mark? Mark? Go for it, Mark. Uh, you're gonna have to
1: go, Pete, because I'm struggling oh. very hard to find at The last thing I was. Well, I mean, I would saying,
2: I but, would say that maybe like seventy percent of my mail correspondence is related to medical expenses, um, because that is the other grand dame of you know american institutions that should be publicly managed right is uh is is, uh so i would say that it is very exciting when i get the partial reimbursements for my out-of-network medical care that i can barely afford it sometimes right so it's like uh and and so that's a sort of uh that for a long time that was why i had i would have to mail in all of my reimbursement forms for all of the medical care that I would have to get that was not uh, not um, able to be done in network because nobody near me would do it for what the health insurance was willing to pay in network providers. Um, and so I would pay tons of medical expenses out of pocket. I mean, I've had a lot of dental problems you guys probably know about dental problems are, of course, the worst in terms of. Uh, the the sort of uh, not in terms of like the actual you know effect they have on your life there's a lot of bad things that can happen to you but in terms of like the way insurance reimbursement works uh, dental problems are really stupid uh, because it's the opposite of insurance and it doesn't actually give you uh, more coverage when you need it it gives you less coverage when you need it Um, (laughs) because you have a maximum everybody has a maximum if you even have if you even have coverage when i've had I've had dental surgery done without insurance coverage and it's impoverished me and wrecked my credit rating, you know, and and there were years where I was in really rough shape because of it. Um, But nowadays, at least I seem to have it a little bit more under control. Certainly, certainly feeling a little bit more, a lot more ahead of the curve on a lot of this stuff. Certainly having just had a baby, there were a lot of very big nominal medical charges that had to be apportioned out to the right parties. But the upshot of it is that I do still periodically get checks in the mail. Of a non-trivial amount of money, which I'm excited to get, even though it is money that I have already paid people. <laughs> right. <So it's>
0: like, <laughs> right. Like, even even that. Right. Exactly. Money, even though it, it, it is partial else, reimbursement, a little bit
2: of money, and it's like, oh, a treat. <laughs> 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 so I'm so the same way.
1: people. So thank you for mentioning that again. I, I, I thought about that as you started to talk about reimbursements. Yes, I, I have similarly uh, feel a little sense of excitement when I am receive money that I had already spent, uh, yes. and it's fine. <laughs> But um, I'm also thinking of, like, another piece of mail that gives me delight. This is actually, I guess, I wouldn't call it junk mail because junk implies without value. It is, like, purely, like, solicitation advertisement mail. But um, I took a trip through a travel company uh, for my honeymoon several years ago. And and since then, they send amazing, uh, gorgeous, uh, full-color, glossy, like, you know, uh, like, thick stock um, travel catalogs. Um, of these father's trips uh, destinations you can take in Europe and Asia and Africa, and so on and so forth. um, we would get them like probably like two or three times a year, um often enough so that you know you, you kind of uh, expected them, uh, but like not often enough so that like when they came, it was a nice very pleasant surprise. um and like we 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 are not going to take another one of these trips again for a very long time. um let's see also the presence of child child in life um but i would always uh, like to make it a habit to, to flip through them if no reason just to see five of those photographs of uh, of travel photography um and then you know obviously now you know since the shutdown i think the last catalog came in probably in the spring or so and then it became just like extremely poignant and wistful um, it's about
0: to say you so, need them you need them now they're like they're like pornography now they're that's like, like I, you know, yeah i know <laughs> uh,
1: just take them into a, a, a you know dark corner of the house and then Yeah exactly
0: like tri- trip hub right am i right <laughs> <laughs> Um yeah that's uh god that's yeah that's wonderful the the I guess the restoration hardware catalog, the phone book sized restoration hardware catalog <laughs> is sort of like that where you can kind of go and like look at a, you know, $24,000 dining table with like beautiful turned legs or something like, you know, like that.
2: Matt, Matt, the Holy Roman Empire was neither restoration nor hardware. All right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. What was exactly? That's that's sort of interesting. What was uh? Yeah, what was um taken away that needs to be restored in the in, in the restoration? What hardware was impoverished or you know <laughs> or de- desecrated where where it needs to be restored? Or is it
2: just like chairs from the sixteen eighties?
0: Right. Exactly. Sixties. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Man, oh man Um, I get, like, I'm in a record club Or I'm in I was accepted, guys, to this exclusive Record club Thick envelope (laughs) <laughs> With a record in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gotta get that thick envelope. So that, you know, that comes uh once a month and I'm I'm excited to get that. And it sort of reminds me it is sent media mail, which, you know, are are you aware that this is a thing that exists? It used to be called book rate, but now it's not just books. They call it media mail. Um is this is this something yeah, it's, that, it's a little cheaper and slower, right? It's cheaper and slower. Uh but it is uh far less costly. Um to send something media mail, and if you are sending like if you're sending for example, a box of books or you know cd ROMs or you know compact discs or what you know whatever, anything that is just a kind of information uh, transmission medium, I mean I guess anything that you would send like a letter is an information transmission medium i'm I'm doing a bad job with the precision of of the language here, but you know I used to send uh a box of books. Back and forth between home and school every, um, living in California, you know, I between home and college every sem- semester or year or no, I think semester And being an English major, like this was a non-trivial thing. Like there, there were a lot of books that were a part of my life. Um, a lot of new books came into my life every semester and like, I couldn't just pile them up in my dorm room. They would overflow in like a tidal wave of, of books. There just wasn't space for all of, all of these things. Um, and so I would send media, media rate, like, uh, two or three big, big boxes of books back and forth every, uh, semester. And it would be, you know, probably like an $80 parcel that you could send for 20 or 25 bucks because it was media rate and it took, you know, five weeks. Um, in the course of doing this, you know, back and forth, uh, mail, you know, for four years, maybe on eight occasions or 16, if you consider like back and forth, um, I lost one box, uh, one box and it didn't even contain books. It contained a bunch of priceless and irreplaceable, uh, uh, imported, uh, Tori Amos CD singles that were, that are spilled all over the floor of a postal warehouse, uh, somewhere, but that... Um, Which sounds
2: like a great Tori Amos song,
0: by the way. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> My singles! Yeah, there's a whole, uh, you know, whole thing about, like, single being solitary or alone, and, you know, the CD singles. Um, that, uh, you know, that was a, a regular thing. I mean, now now so much stuff comes... Um, so much stuff comes delivery from e-commerce or or whatever and you know the post office is involved in a great deal of it even if it touches another courier even if it is nominally uh you know sent through another courier the the post office the usps does a lot of last mile fulfillment for ups uh for example um where something will show up, d- delivered by my mail carrier. And uh, do you do you guys know your mail carrier? I always try to to make friends with mine where wherever I live. Um, no,
1: I never. That never occurred to me as a thing that could be possible.
0: Yeah, I guess. I guess living in living as you do in New York, the sort of the apartment um, setups that you guys have are not really conducive to that, to that sort of thing. It would be Pete is actually on the continuum, probably the most likely to be, yeah. uh, to friends with the mail carrier. Do you have one, uh, carrier who brings your, uh, who brings the bulk of your mail and, and then with a replacement one day of the week or, um, something, Is some other setup.
2: Well, it's actually, it's interesting because I never, I never meet my mail carrier because my mailbox isn't actually on my property. Ah, my mailbox is across the street, mm-hmm. so so on our road, it's a you know kind of as I said, we're a little bit not really in the boonies, but a little bit in the in the boonies. Lots of trees and uh, a kind of later developed area that's close to some nature preserve stuff. And so all of the mailboxes on my street are on the right hand side of the road, so that the mail truck can just drop everything in one go and doesn't have to kind of go right side, left side, right side, left side. It's also a, a pretty steep hill. Um, but I did call the post office to ask them if I could move my mailbox to the other side of the street, because there are a lot of people and food delivery folks who like think that I live across the street because my mailbox is across the street yeah, and they sure. get a little bit lost. So I talked to them and they were like, oh yeah, I'll talk to this guy and talk to this guy and, 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 you know, like, this woman and they passed me around. I felt like I got to chat with everybody in the office and it was kind of nice and had a real sense of personal intimacy, but no, I mean, growing up in New Jersey, We would leave presents for our mail carriers and and sanitation workers on Christmas. Um, I felt like that was sort of a necessary thing to do. Uh, Growing up, it sort of was ingrained in me as an important part of civic life. Um, You know, presents also for, uh, man. I think my dad would would give presents to like the security guys at his building as well, uh, where he worked um, around Christmas time. Uh, but my dad is also the guy, kind of guy who would, like, you know, give out cigars when a baby was born, which is another practice that's fallen out of favor over the years for a variety of reasons. Well,
0: you can't get good cigars <laughs> in it, you know, since Cuba was closed to American trade. It's, you know, yeah. what what even would you give? Don't smoke near a baby. <laughs> the
2: answer to the question. Uh, but, yeah, but but that's the kind of thing where, like, I felt like I have met and talked to My mail carriers at various times, certainly the last apartment I was in, we had a mail carrier who came on foot because it was the houses were close enough that drop off. You know, they would walk. They would park the car and they would walk to several houses or they would walk a route and hit a whole bunch of houses um, and have a big bag or a cart. Um, My latest mail carrier was always on the phone, so I never actually got to talk to her, Um, the one from my previous apartment. Uh, But also, I wasn't really at home during the day so much uh,
0: Mm.
2: as I am now. So, And she would always come in the afternoon, so it wasn't while I was there. I did know the UPS carrier at my apartment before that because she had a very irregular route. And so if I had any sort of urgent need for anything that I'd order from UPS, it would frequently show up. Really, really late on the day where it was sort of guaranteed to show up because she also did deliveries to a whole bunch of the complexes at MIT. Huh. So it was very complicated to kind of get around those places. But I knew her and I knew that if I talked to her, you know, I, I knew where her truck was. And it's like, well, the, the package is there at like one in the afternoon. So if there's a really something urgent, I could, talk, I could go to her and find her and, like, get it, which I think I only did once. I think it was when I was getting a laptop delivered or something. Um, but, uh, I mean, I have no problem. As much as I love the U.S. Postal Service, you know, no problem at all with UPS and FedEx and all of the roles that they play in society, and every UPS driver has also been really nice to me. It does feel like there's enough of a niche to have more than one institution kind of carry more – one or more than one kind of traffic, as well as a niche for kind of a premium private service. In addition to the public service in the hopes that they don't, you know, mutually destroy each other. Right. Like, you know, certainly growing up that way, it seems to not be a problem. Um, You know, I don't I don't begrudge the idea of like ordering overnight shipping. And I also don't begrudge the idea of, you know, media shipping from the post office being the kind of thing where they want you to save money and maybe do things a little bit cheaper because it's for the public um, I don't know. It's interesting. But, yeah, I don't know. Matt, did you know your mail carriers? Yeah, I mean, I ha- I, did, I did meet Mr. McFeely once at a mall in New Jersey. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> the the guy, an autographed picture of him and everything.
0: That's amazing. Uh, did he say yeah, speedy man, delivery you're, to you?
2: You're,
1: you're, you're talking about the the uh, the character for the Mr. Rogers Neighborhood show, right?
2: Yes, the actor who played the character. Wow, I was that's speaking awesome. metonymically about the actor who played the character of Mr. McFeely as if he were actually the guy, although I believe he did make the mall appearance in character uh, as well. Yeah, no, I, I was one of my. It was funny because it was like one of those things that was in my desk, you know, uh, growing up, and I had this sort of like open area beneath the surface of my desk that nowadays would be relegated to like a computer keyboard, but at the time was mostly empty, and all I really had in there was like a pad of paper, a pencil box and like a couple of random possessions that I thought were like really precious. And they included a autographed picture of Mr. McFeely and a Cecil Fielder rookie card in a plastic box. <laughs>
0: <laughs> So Matt, did you know your mail carrier? I, I yeah, i have i mean i've sort of tried to make it a point to like to uh, meet that person you know in in different places that i've lived i'm pretty new in this apartment, so it's not uh you know it's not something that that I know yet, but um in the last place I lived a long time, I did know uh the, the person who delivered for for u s p s and I think you know i don't know i think it's important um i think it's important uh to um especially when you're dealing with things that seem like they are affordances that are that are just a service that you consume like there there is something that is sort of good uh in acknowledging that that there are you know people who provide those services and you know making some sort of effort to uh to acknowledge or, or celebrate them, whether it's, you know, tip the person who delivers your mail or, or I don't know, delivers your newspaper or something like that. Like, um, I mean, yeah, it's part of my subscription problem. I get a, I get a paper newspaper, um, at least on Sundays. And I, you know, it's, it, uh, it is helpful to remember that this idea, you know, that, that it sort of takes people right to, to sort of provide these things and things that, Things that should be publicly managed, or at least where a kind of a a baseline, um, a baseline service should be should be publicly should be publicly managed. And it does take a lot of people, and it takes a lot of kind of effort and hard work. Not all of it particularly glamorous work to make the thing that seems extraordinary seem ordinary. uh, The way that that Mark said mark said before um i sort of i i I feel like we should do a like a chain letter like an overthinking it chain letter or like uh you know round robin thing where we all send each other a postcard from where we are or or something like that but i'm not sure we didn't talk about it uh in advance but so uh we we don't have the idea set up but maybe we could do something like that it might be fun to have as a little uh as a little activity that we can do together during these uh you know semi-isolated Pandemic times. I know we have, uh, international listeners as well, and it would be good to, uh, it would be good to hear, um, from, uh, some of you as well. Anyway, I think we'll leave it there for our discussion of, of mail, of, the, the mail. Uh, thanks very much for listening. And thanks, Pete and Mark for podcasting. Uh, you know, we'll be back next week with more Overthinking a Podcast. But if you want to know our address between now and then, it's it. Where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny, it, yeah, it probably, probably doesn't does. deserve.